welcome to the I Am a Feminine Leader podcast, conversations with women who have transformed challenging life experiences into powerful lessons that have inspired community building in all aspects of their lives. I am your host, Michelle Hersayak Nesit, Community Design and Impact Specialist, here to activate the community builder in you with inspiring stories practical tools, and strategies that anyone with passion and vision for community building can use to amplify their impact. Let's get started, shall we? Welcome back, community. I am so excited to be back in the recording chair. I did take an intentional pause over the summer from recording. And this guest that I have today, Bridget Brown, she's one of the people I've been most looking forward to speaking to recently because her background is so unique. And I feel like your tagline on LinkedIn, I don't know if it was this tagline the last time we spoke or if you updated it recently, but it just kind of like sucked me in like a laser, small business activist, marketing and branding and neuroscience master's student. Like it's a mouthful. It's a mouthful. <laughs> well, and it's, it's really interesting, Bridget. I mean, we had a strategy session before, but we talked about your neuroscience path that you're pursuing, but you're actually from the media world and you were a reporter for TV news in Calgary back in the day. And now you're the creative director and founder of Ports Entrepreneurs and Local Businesses. So I would love for you to share a little bit more about what community means to you and, and how you're fostering community today in this new phase of life. Well, I think to me, community is um, the people in your life that you can really be your authentic self with, um, that you can foster um, that real give and take. So you have something to provide. And then, of course, the community has something to provide you with as well. And so um, from my perspective, coming from a journalism background, I would go out into the community and interview people for all kinds of reasons. You know, everything from it's a cute human interest story about a great new small business to they witnessed a crime, you know, and I got to talk to all different kinds of people. And something that I consistently noticed was um, small business owners in particular have these amazing stories. They are the backbone of our economy. We know that more than, um, you know, a significant number of people are working in a small business environment. But they don't, I didn't have a really good platform to share their story. You know, we know that social media is getting more and more and more difficult to get that sort of um, authentic, organic experience of promoting yourself. And so I decided, um, partly because I come from a family of small business owners, that I was to found a marketing company and this agency was going to be just for the small business owner so that I get an opportunity to continue to tell those stories that I found so interesting as a reporter. Oh, I love that. I mean, it's, I mean, we all go through phases in our lives. Women, we go through transitions, you know, with motherhood and just wifehood. And even just as we get older, like our careers change. And I mean, people of other genders experience those transitions as well, but I feel like for women, it's just like so visceral. It's like, as soon as you hit a certain phase of life, it's like, okay, now we have to pivot. Now we need to reinvent ourselves because 
One, we have some pretty amazing skills that we can redirect into something else. And two, like you said, it's about the storytelling. It's about the community impact and, and how we can gather people around a common goal and purpose. And you had the lived experience of your family kind of modeling that to you as small business owners. So I'm really curious to hear how that kind of business sense has influenced how you started your business because we all know like how the journalism piece would have would influence the storytelling like you legit are an expert in storytelling as a journalist which I think is amazing but how do you take that lived experience and then transfer it into a business model um you know it kind of started to to really come together for me after my son was born my older son I have two boys nine and five um, and so when my nine-year-old was born, I started to realize, first of all, the media industry was really changing. And then secondly, um, I didn't have the same priorities, of course, you know, um, children really change your priorities. And so that's for me, um, becoming a mom was like, okay, I have to look for another way to share what I have to share with the world. And so I kind of went back, you know, my dad was a financial planner, my grandfather owned a furniture store and was an auctioneer. And my great grandfather was an auctioneer and bred animals. And so this is quite a variety of businesses, but one of the um, threads of commonality among all of us um, is an interest in having control over your whole experience. You know, um, my dad went from being a manager in a, you know, retail big name bank to going out on his own as a financial advisor. And a big part of what I saw him love about that was that he could cultivate these real authentic relationships with his client. And all of a sudden he had the control. And suddenly we started to see my dad a, a lot more than we used to. And it was really powerful for me as a, as a young person. Um, and I thought, you know, if I can give that to my kids, um, why not go the same route? Why not start something myself instead of trying to find the perfect job where it's going to fit into my life? I'm just going to make it. And that allowed me when my second son was born five years ago, um, I joked that I only took three days mat leave, but that's not exactly true. I only kept a couple of clients and yes, one of them did require me a couple of days after he was born, but I had this beautiful time with my baby where I would not have had that opportunity if I was not the one at the helm. Yeah. And that is a great example of how, as a woman is transitioning through certain phases of life, that she can capitalize on the skills and that, you know, niche of transformation that is just like so naturally occurring in her life. Because so many people, when they start off in their career, they are applying to jobs, fitting into a mold, doing all the things that they're supposed to do. But once you cultivate that sense of, well, what do I want? you know, and how can I direct my energy and amplify my impact? Because, you know, there's kind of almost like a minimalist type um, element here. It's like less is more, but you're actually increasing your impact by only doing the things that you want to do, that you're passionate about, and that you're really great at. So even though maybe from a I don't know, a task perspective or, you know, on the surface, it seems like you're doing less, but you're actually doing more because you're 150% invested in this thing that you're doing. You're putting all of yourself into it and you are creating a significant impact for that other person because of that energy exchange. Would you not agree? 
I, I totally agree. And I think that, um, at least I hope, um, that we're going to see a real renaissance of uh, cottage industry and small business because what people are finding is, you know, you don't get great service, in my opinion, from the Amazons of the world. People are finding that um, they want more meaning in their life from, from everything from, you know, what am I going to do with my life to what kinds of items do I want to include in my home or what kinds of activities do I want to do with my family? All of those, I think, because the um, conglomeration of big corporations has made a lot of experiences and um, products and things like that quite generic. In order to get something really special, you go to an artisan. And I would consider myself, like it says, a small business activist, because I think that small businesses need an advocate. Um, but I feel like there's an artisanal perspective of deciding, okay, how am I going to help people establish their brand? All of those things came from me, from my experience, from my education. Um, so it's a very different experience than going with a, a large agency that has, you know, blue chip Starbucks, McDonald's as their clients. Um, I really see across the entire economy, this trend toward people craving that type of sort of bespoke customized fit and something that is meaningful. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I mean, with small businesses and the pressure to be on social media and to constantly be promoting and to be an online presence, it's really, I would imagine that it's, it's difficult to keep the momentum going and to feel authentic because you are competing against these massive corporate machines that have like, you know, teams of like dozens of people creating content every day, doing the research, doing the graphic design, doing all of that. And, you know, a small business owner just wants to be seen and heard. I would think they want to be seen and heard and they want people to be inspired to, and, and be, and to be curious to say, Hey, what are you all about? Let me check you out, you know? And then, I mean, the community aspect of small businesses, I always have had this belief because in uh, Edmonton, where I'm from, I live in a neighborhood called Ritchie. And we had this one strip on 76th Avenue that was like a abandoned gas station. And there was like a little strip shopping area, but it was pretty dilapidated and not maintained. And in the last eight years, they revitalized it. They built a net zero building and they got a bunch of small businesses in there. And now it's like this hub or this hive of like activity. And it's just amazing. And even though I'm not going to shop at like the organic market every single week, or I'm not going to go to that coffee shop every single day or whatever, but just like the energy that the small businesses brought to the community and, and it's like their passion, you know, cause people, when they start a business, it's like, they're putting their heart and soul, like, woof, like, here I am. This is what I want to put into the world. And, oh. and so that energy I feel is so powerful and, and so you kind of alluded to before about the social media machine and how you help small business owners navigate that. Can you explain a little bit more about some of the strategies and tools that you, that you share with your clients? Um, you, you really hit the nail on the head. So for me, what, um, what, I mean, we know that meta and, uh, Facebook, Instagram, that, 
it's actually the more negative, the more inflammatory the post, the more traction it gets. Well, this just isn't going to work as a marketing strategy for the organic market that you mentioned. And there's something in my neighborhood that's very similar where they've rebuilt this old block and there is a coffee shop and a restaurant and a cute gift store. Um, and it's just one of those things where like, all those business owners are trying to do is get their story out to people. And I believe and they believe and the evidence shows um, once they do that, they're able to forge that connection with their community and, it, and their business becomes sustainable. Trying to do that on social media, I started to feel... Um, probably about five years ago now, that it was a little bit like the emperor's new clothes. Like you would see these courses advertised to you either through social media, maybe on LinkedIn, wherever, saying, you know, do it this way and you'll get tons of interaction and you'll get tons of exposure. And then you follow their instructions and you don't. And it's like, oh, well, it must be me. It must be something that I'm doing wrong. And I want to tell small business owners, no, it is not you. The system is not set up for you because they reward those really incendiary posts the most, it means that anything that is pleasant or, you know, just sort of general information just gets drowned out. And so um, everybody is saying, oh, this is social media. You have to be on social media. And I kind of felt like saying, but it's not working. And I felt like I was the only one saying it. It's not working. It's not working for small business owners. Um, and so to me, finding we, we have many, many, many other options open to us. Forget about that unless you love it. You know, there are some people who love it and they find success in it. Great. I love that for that. But if you're like me and you don't particularly enjoy the process, just stop doing it and focus on other ways to build your community and reach them. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Someone said it. A professional. Okay, y'all, all you listeners, a professional here legit said, stop, stop the social media machine. Oh or my gosh. And stop. Here's my permission to stop. You know, like, like I said, there are people who really enjoy it and they have sort of a natural affinity for it. And I never want to put that down. You know what I mean? That's great. But if that's not you, um, you know, get a bus bench ad, launch an email marketing, do a lunch and learn or a wine and cheese or whatever is most appropriate. Have as many conversations with real people in your audience and your business will just explode. Yeah. I, I love that emphasis on choosing the community building tools that resonate the most with you. And we talk a lot of, about that on the podcast because you know, the question, what does community mean to you? It's so unique for every individual. And so there, I, I mean, I'm a victim of that. I'm a victim of feeling like I have to be present on social media. I have to do X amount of swipe decks a week. I have to have a video post. I have to do a reel. And I was just like, Bleh. I'm like, I can't do this. Like it just didn't feel good in my body. Like I literally would feel sick sometimes just trying to create content and thinking like, I have to do this for what, like for who, you know? And at the end of the day, you're, you're right. I mean, there are, are the storytelling elements that can be facilitated with content online, um, but it's not the only way. And so do small business owners kind of have maybe some advantages or, or 
maybe they're in a better position to leverage that strategy with social media because they are more localized or they're more niche because I feel like, like you said, it's a permission slip. You know, you don't have to stop. You can though, if you want to, but for a small business in say Calgary, where you are located, do they have more permission than say an organization that wants to scale and be more of a bigger presence or reach a bigger audience? I think there's something to be said about having a social media presence. And I I don't think that you need to follow a specific formula, but your audience wants to know that you're a credible, serious organization. And whether that's the tiniest cafe or the largest factory, right? So it's possible to do that without that being your marketing strategy. A lot of people, when they start work with me, say kind of embarrassingly, well, most of my new clients or most of my new customers come from referrals. Like that's so embarrassing. And to me, I just want to say, you know, that is your superpower. Referral marketing, honestly, getting people to just say, hey, I've been to this place and it's good to leave you a review, et cetera. That is so much more effective for small businesses than for large corporations. When was the last time somebody said, oh, I have this great place that I shop at. It's called Amazon. Like, no, that doesn't happen. You know, (laughs) you find a hairdresser or a cafe or a restaurant or an accountant that is amazing, then you tell people and it's a natural part of that community building. And it does two things. It makes them feel fantastic because they are helping their friends, helping their communities by making the recommendations. So that's awesome. It makes the small business owner feel fantastic because their offering is resonating with a larger with a larger group of people. And it makes the community more cohesive because we're genuinely talking to each other and offering recommendations instead of interacting online, which has this sort of amorphous uh, facade that you can never really quite put your finger on, but it definitely reduces the authenticity of communication. Yes. I just have to laugh because I had this mental image of like Jeff Bezos, like knocking on your door saying, Hey, don't dis Amazon. I'm a billionaire. I'm important. I'm just thinking that. And I'm thinking at the same time, I'm like, yeah, man, like just chill, you know, you're for somebody, but not for everybody. You know, I mean, we are in a culture of access. Like if you want it, you want it now. And yeah, Amazon fulfills that. But I totally understand what you're talking about in terms of the referrals and having like that community spirit of like, I'm going to help you. I'm going to, you got to go check out that coffee shop or you got to go like, you know, to that hair salon because they're super great. And I talked to Claudia there. She's like the head stylist and I loved her. And, you know, so it's like putting faces and names using language to describe an experience, like so much more than just the product or the service that you are having a transaction with. And I I see it on such a larger scale because there is all kinds of evidence that shows one of the most important foundations for a long life, like for longevity, is minor social interaction. So this isn't your partner. This isn't your family. This isn't your lifelong friends. This is basically daily chit chat, for lack of a better word, you leave your house and there are people to talk to. You do not walk through this world invisible. Well, if you know 
the person that pours your coffee, um, the person that works behind the counter of a shop you visit, um, the owner of a cafe, the owner of a restaurant. If you know those people, then those are the kind of relationships you cultivate. It gives your neighborhood cohesiveness. It uh, lends itself well to your health and longevity. There's just no downside. And as people, um, you know, we see so often in the news, 6,000 people laid off here, 2,000 people laid off there. As people start to think, okay, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? Many of them do choose that they're going to become a consultant or they're going to leverage their expertise in some way, which is what I did um, after there was, you know, huge reductions in the media industry, which we've all seen. Um, being able to do that and know that what you're doing is actually facilitating sort of life sustaining and neighborhood sustaining, sustaining connections. To me, that's huge. That's huge. Yeah. And now with your master's in neuroscience, you're going to be adding more science-based tools and strategies to your work. So I'd love for you to kind of talk a little bit more about that. I have not actually passed all of my courses yet. I am still working on it. I hope to have a master's degree in neuroscience, but King's College London is no joke, and uh, it's a it's been a it's been a, a climb. Let's put it that way. It's been we believe in you. We believe uh, in you. You're manifesting you so greatness. Oh, I'm <laughs> um, I want to know. Like, I got sick of people saying, "Well, you have to do things this way, or you have to do things this way." And I, I want to know how do we make buying decisions? So how, when you see that organic market on the corner, what makes you walk through the door versus walk on by? Um, when you see an ad, whether it's on television, on the radio, on a billboard, on Facebook, what makes you follow through? I wanted to know on a neurological level, what makes people make these decisions? Because we know big corporations are doing this. So um, it, they, they call it neuromarketing. That's not really a thing, but that's what a lot of these big companies call it. Um, consumer neuroscience is the, the appropriate scientific name. We know companies like Lowe's, like uh, Frito-Lay are actually trying to make sure their ads are tapping right into our brain. And I'm like, nobody's doing that for small businesses. They are at a distinct disadvantage. If all of a sudden, all the biggest corporations in the world are going to be using neuroscience to, to bring us in the door. Um, I wanted to do that for my clients too. And I was interested in it. I don't have a science background, so it has been very difficult, um, but so far so good. Yeah. Well, and do you feel like that? I mean, there's always going to be the more technical science-based side of that. I mean, it has, I'm sure, biological and physiological aspects to it that, I mean, unless you have a science background, you're just, it's going to be a learning curve for you to, for you to learn that theory, to be able to apply it. But I feel like individuals like yourself who are just intuitively curious about human behavior and have this openness and reciprocity to what that knowledge can, can do from a functional perspective, you know, so don't, you're not an imposter, you're doing amazing. And I hope that you keep going and keep your spirits up because I agree with you. There's, you're definitely addressing a need like, I'm, and I think that if you can use that education that you're acquiring now and being able to apply it with your media background and then your experience as an entrepreneur, I don't see how you, how you can differentiate yourself from those big companies because maybe, you know, those big companies, they have a team of people, but they don't, not all of them have the lived experiences that you've had. And so, you know, you can throw data at 
you know, a lot of different people and a lot of different situations. But at the end of the day, there, I feel like with marketing, especially, there's always going to be like that somatic, like energetic connection that people will either resonate with or reject. And I feel like you get that. If I have learned one thing, both in my experience running this business and in my studies um, at King's College London, uh, it's that our brains are not as evolved as we think they are. A lot of um, what's going on sort of subconsciously, unconsciously stems from the fact that we have the brains of our cave dwelling ancestors. And what that means is that back then, you know, tens of thousands of years ago, um, connection was life. Anybody that got ostracized from the group was not likely to survive at all. Our brains still think like this, which means whether as a business owner, whether as a parent, as a friend, connecting with people is what we are quite literally born to do. So the most important thing that a small business owner that feels like they don't have a chance stacking up against those big organizations can do is make those connections. Open-hearted, authentic connection is um, the most effective way to bring people into your community and to get them to, to pick up what you're putting down. Yeah, I love that so much. That's a perfect wrap up to our conversation. Thank you so much, Bridget, for being here. I would love for you to take a moment just to share with the listeners where they can find you, how they can work with your agency. And also if you have any exciting projects going on that you want us to know about so that we can support. Oh, that's so kind. Thank you very much for having me today. My website is createthatcopy.com. And anybody who is interested in just a brainstorming sesh, I do that. It is free of charge. I will just blast ideas out for your small business and there's no obligation. It is my favorite thing to do. And I find that it is one of the best ways to cultivate my own community. So if there's anybody who is listening, they have a small business, they'd just like some ideas for how they can bring more people in the door. Um, I would recommend that they visit my website, createthatcopy.com and book one of these brainstorm sessions. I think they're fun. I think they're really fun. <laughs> Of course. Well, and thank you so much for sharing that. And I hope that y'all take advantage because, you know, it's not every day that you have the opportunity to just have some shop talk with someone who's been around the block, like quite <laughs> literally you've been around the block and you have a lot of tools and strategies that I'm sure will help a lot of different people. So, and your, and your energy for community building is, is there. It's like, just it's everywhere. So I hope that you can continue to grow your business and please stay in touch as your business grows and tune in next week for another amazing community building story. Y'all we're on a roll now. I'm back in the recording chair. <laughs> There's more to come. Thank you. Thank you.